I'm Lige. I'm Kohana. And, and this, this is Straight Ahead. Welcome back to another episode of Straight Ahead. Apologies for the delay on this episode's release. We've both been incredibly caught up with other work and needed an extra week to put all the love and energy that we normally do into this episode. In the middle of next month, I'll be sharing what's finished of my thesis film, Edith and the Tull Child, in our Parsons end-of-year virtual screening, alongside a bunch of other really talented animators and illustrators that have been hard at work over the last year. Woo! <laughs> it's open to everyone. And I'll definitely be pestering people to come as the date looms nearer, uh, but it would be really lovely to see as many little Zoom windows there as possible. And I couldn't be more excited to announce the release of my AR game this past week. Underwater Plastic Pickup is a game that I pitched, designed, and developed for Google and Snapchat to celebrate Earth Week. The ocean and all of its inhabitants have always been incredibly important to me, so I wanted to do something to raise awareness about the growing and immense issue of plastic pollution. Using real-world data, I was able to create an exponential model and graph that plots how much plastic we have been and are projected to continue dumping into our oceans every year. By taking the inverse of this curve, the numbers get smaller instead of larger, but at the same rate. I was then able to use this formula to create a plastic spawner in-game so that a new piece of plastic would appear every time a given amount was added to the ocean in the real world. Underwater Plastic Pickup is available on Snapchat now, with a link in the episode description. Now that that shameless plug is done, let's get along with the episode. Woo! So this week, we're sitting down with legendary experimental animator, Amy Lockhart. Amy, would you like to introduce yourself? My name is Amy. I am originally from Canada. Um, I started out making... I thought I was going to make ceramics and stuff like that. And then I saw a psychic who told me when I was about to go to art school that I was going to be working with large pieces of metal and glass. And I was like, what? That's not ceramic sculpture. And But then it turned it out, I ended up working with film, which is what they were talking about, which is crazy. But anyway, so, uh, <laughs> so I went to school. I learned, uh, I learned animation on film. I started actually taking um, classes uh, film classes, but I was too shy to boss people around. So I started doing animation and there was like an amazing scene there. So I work kind of like I was in like punk scene a bit, you know, uh, DIY, learning animation um, with an amazing teacher, Helen Hill, that was very like DIY and like amazing. Um, so my work is kind of, uh, I'm pretty broad in that sense, but I kind of joke it's like a media empire and it's a lot about just using methods and practices associated with mass media, but then uh, doing them instead of just um, being shaped by them, like pushing back. So creating my own weird, like idiosyncratic videos and, you know, just weird, ridiculous stuff, uh, but using like the, uh, starting out with zines, uh, making comics, um, short films, like um, Miss Edmonton Teenburger series. Did, have you guys seen that one? No, yes. never. Okay, yeah, so live action with special effects and then like animation and stuff like that. So it's, oh, and I made another one recently that was like babiescrib.com, three S's, baby S-S-S crib.com. <laughs> um, but that one was, it, like, I kind of saw that of like a lot of my worlds colliding because I'll do like drawing and paper sculptures and stuff like that. 
So it was this great, it was based on an animation that was done in 2D. And then I created like a fake 3D world for it. So it was, there was like a lot of costumes and then it's like a fake uh, web cam girl site. It's like based off of that, like free cam. So you can chat and it's like randomized chat and you can tip to get new videos and stuff like that. But, and that was like, a, I like that. Cause it was, I'm using like weird DIY crusty costumes and stuff like that. And then <laughs> um, combining it with just like new ways of like world building and narrative and all that fun stuff, messing with paradigms. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> sick. And that all of these different ways of telling stories sort of ended up coming together in this way. And that it sounds like you're still, you know, not just focused on making animations and moving image, but also still work in zines. And yeah, it's fascinating. It's still trying to work this art project, Baby's Crib. Go to the With three S's. I feel like Baby's Crib is all of it, though. Like, yeah. the still the animation, like the physical. <laughs> yeah, and then now, now I'm working on like, um, and I'm still making animation. Now I'm trying to do like a. I love anime, especially old anime that was like straight to video, VOA. I, feel, I always forget the terms. Um, but uh, so I just, so I'm trying to do something like that. I, it was like a feature I was trying to learn to work on, but now I'm breaking it up into three chapters and sort of embracing like that sort of style more. Oh, wow. Is this Are you working Dizzler? on that like by Dizzler. yourself? Yeah, uh... so far uh, by myself. Um, so Dizzler, it's been something I've been trying to finish for like too many years and I just had to stop working on it for a bit because I just wasn't in the right place or something. I don't know. And then, so now I'm trying to finish it and I almost don't care about it enough so I can work on it now. <laughs> That's sort of the spirit. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's good to take breaks to have yeah. that. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to. You really do. Um, I am curious about sort of the relationship then between the different mediums that all of your animated work takes place in. Like you do so much cool paper cut out multi-plane films and hand-drawn films and cell animation and digital films too um do you feel like one form preceded the other or do you feel like you're just led by whatever medium best communicates the story or movement that you're trying to I tell? think it's like whatever medium best conveys it as long as it fits into sort of like um limited animation DIY sort of aesthetic. So getting the job done, finding tr like tricks and doing it in a smart way rather than just doing like hand-drawn super laborious stuff. So it like just having to fit that vibe sort of thing. And then um, and then I started out, yeah. So Helen Hill was, uh, was my teacher in Halifax and I was, I was like amazing enough to have her as a teacher and totally changed my life and just like her uh, outlook on the world and everything. Um, and a lot of that was just like, um, not really buying into hierarchy, hierarchy of types of arts or, you know, like when it's status nonsense, the games people play. Um, and then, and, and then, so I just kind of take that attitude and kind of bring it to animation too. Um, and then, uh, so that just fits into DIY stuff. And then she taught me, um, how to start off doing like sort of experimental stuff and just stuff that independent animators could do, like cut out, cut out some puppets. And I feel like that kind of, it really fits the way, somehow the way I work, it, like that's sort of, I feel like I somehow fit that into everything. Like if I do um, After Effects, I'm using Duic models, you know what I mean? Like, or if I do under the right. camera, like I'll composite things. Like my brain kind of goes to that like puppeting cutout land <laughs> sort of thing. So I, I feel like 
you kind of just touched on this then, but yeah. I was wondering um, what you think about mixing all of these mediums and then like creating things that involve digital and physical or like importing your physical animations into a digital medium and then altering them and changing them from there. Um, yeah, so I think it's really, like I love work and working with stuff that like uh, mixes the two. And I feel I teach, so I feel like I tell a lot of my students, like if I teach them, you know, some filter or something, I'm like, don't just use that, like complicated with something else. So it's not so obvious what you're doing. You know what I mean? And I feel right. like it's kind of key, like not to just use some tool, but to somehow mess with it. So it's not obvious you're using it or you look like some tutorial. I feel um, like that's the difference between like using the tool and understanding it. Yeah. Yeah. Like knowing how to mess with it or something. Right. Um, and and then I just love physical stuff. I think growing up, seeing a lot of like old TV and stuff like that. Like what was the one? Uh, Puff and stuff. Do you all remember that? Like I would I just see so. fragments of it, but it's, I think it's called Puff and stuff. And it's these two brothers that sort of made it. Uh, it was on TV and it had these shaggy costumes. Like, you know, that 70s, 80s style, that prosthetics and stuff. It's almost like you can smell it, you know, when you like watch stuff like that. I like to have like a little bit of that in everything I do. <laughs> so, so either like handmade marks on paper or handmade costumes or something like, yeah. <laughs> if we could segue maybe into Walk for Walk. Yeah. Um, you know, like Lige and I remember sitting down for like 9 a.m. core animation class <laughs> years ago and seeing Walk for the first time. Um, and like, you know, hallucinogenic watch for that early in the morning. But we were both <laughs> just curious about how you made this film. Like what different techniques and influences uh, okay. were on your mind as you were putting it all together. So that so I learned animation uh, at a, like a film co-op basically. And a lot of it was just like, here's, here's how you do it, make it happen. You know, let's all just do, do a film. So it was like, um, there was less, we were taught timing, but there was less of an emphasis on it. You know what I mean? And then I went to this other co-op. So that was Atlantic Filmmakers Co-op, making films amazing. Did a, a residency uh, at the Quick Draw Animation Society in Calgary, which is amazing. Both these co-ops are amazing. Um, and I learned from, this, uh, I forget his name now, but he had just been to, ah, uh, Dude Man, Dude Man, Animator Survival Kit. Oh. Richard um, Williams? Williams? Yes. Just been to <laughs> Dude Man. Williams. Dude Man. <laughs> Dude Man. Uh, they, he'd just been to his talk, like his lecture before the book came out. So he came back and he was so stoked, like teaching us this stuff, like breaking the bones and all this stuff. And I was like, whoa, this is amazing. You know, so I was just like taking it all in. And then the walk cycles became a way of testing out all of these um, ideas in a cycle that I could reuse. Whoa. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So like somehow I clicked on them, like I'm making a bunch of walk cycles. And then, then I did that and I was like, uh -oh, I have a bunch of walk cycles. What the hell am I going to do now? And then, yeah. uh, then I made it this flash site with Stefan Gruber. Uh, Stefan Gruber had this amazing, uh, they probably have something amazing now, but back in the day they would um, publish other people's flash animations, their own uh, stuff like that. A pleasure complex, some fantasy pleasure complex. It was great. Anyway, so I, Somehow I made some kind of flash animation for that where you click on all the characters and they would walk. And then uh, I'm from Canada. I got a grant from the government to um, make a longer version of it on 16 millimeter. 
And then th this was a bit like, because I have a chip on my shoulder, I didn't go to the proper art school, blah, blah, blah. So Walk for Walk was kind of like um, my open, sort of like me proving that I could do um, proper animation. And then I was, uh, I was just a maniac. Like I made like over 1,000 hand-painted cutouts. So I would draw out the stuff on paper, trace it all onto cardstock, color it all in, color around the edges in black, organize it all. Like it was just like madness. It was, uh, and then- Organized I went, madness. Organized mad, workaholic madness. Then I went to, oh, in the backgrounds, I made them all out of um, colored paper. I, I went to an art school and there was just a sale on all these beautiful colored papers. So I just did that for the backgrounds. Um, then I went and filmed it in, at the Quick Dry Animation Society. I think it was like three months, two or three months, something like that, where I just lived at the co-op. Like I had a couple of friends in town, so I would go to their house like once a week, sort of bathe and, and just hang out in the backyard. But I would just like live at the co-op. I slept on the floor in the library or on the couch in the main room. Sometimes I had this one shelf in the one room I was like filming in that I cleared off and slept on in there. And that's just be being a real maniac. But um, but yeah, that was a horrible idea. But uh, but yeah, so I, yeah, I was just like crazy workaholic mode, filmed it all. Oh yeah, then I ran out of money. Then I somehow got another grant. Then I did the sound for it. And the sound I did, I. I was a maniac. And then for the sound, I actually built a sound recording studio in my bedroom slash studio room. <laughs> and when I just like looked it up online, like how to build, you know, how to soundproof a room and I built an isolation room. So it's just about, um, you want to use soft material. So I used a drywall type material that was made out of paper fibers. It was for not making sound move through it. And then I created like dead air spaces and then another wall with insulation. And it was like this booth you would go in with a little plexiglass screen and like record until the air ran out and then leave sort of thing. So yeah, and then edited all that together with Pro Tools, I think, yeah. Oh my Pro gosh. Tools. Yeah. Oh, and then, so this was on 16 millimeter film. Right. And I finally finished all this stuff and I get the, I send the sound mix off to the optical printer. So they take your sound mix and they print it like a design, a black and white design on, on where the sound is and that's how it's written. Um, so they did that and somehow in the middle, oh yeah, while they were doing that, the company was going bankrupt. So the guy was just like, okay, we're just trying to send back as many people's films out before we can, before it gets shut down. So I was like, oh my God, I just spent like five years working on this film went through all this stuff and now it just might be like lost, but it went, I got it back. But so you didn't know if you were going to get it back or not though. I didn't know. Like I was just, you know, I was, in pro but it was like, yeah, it was that moment. Like, Oh my God, it's going back. Ah! Like, yeah, it was crazy. I yeah. think truly like one of my favorite scenes of all time is like, it's almost video game esque. Um, it's like a sequence in walk for walk where there's a little countdown and then they have like a little fight sequence kind mm -hmm. of. Um, and it seemed like definitely inspired kind of by video games to me and uh the flash thing seems almost video gamey too so i was just wondering like if you could talk a little bit more about that or like your inspirations there yeah yeah walk for walk was definitely old school video game where everything is like left to right you know what i mean and right. you're stuck in world worlds like that kind of and then transporting to different places um and the flash one oh it's down it's down now i forgot it was up so yeah you would just click it was a picture with all of the characters faces on them then you would click on one of them and they would just walk walk from left to right along with like a little song 
So the songs from like the final animation, those were actually original songs that I'd made. And it was just like me sitting in my, my mom's basement and my brother's computer or something like that. And I was just like recording on like the little, some little recording program, you know what I mean? And just recording these crappy little voices and then like speeding them up or, or like, you know, speak, saying it really slow, but then speeding it up. So the voice, yeah. So, so that's what all the weird songs came from. And yeah, that's about it. It was just like a goofy way to do like walk cycles and stuff like that. Yeah. I love that. R.I.P. Flash <laughs> oh, player. Yeah. And then funny, fun fact. So those two characters that were fighting, the one is like the red um, mouse guy. So that's Licorice Whips based on this uh, doll that a friend found in a thrift store that I made a life-size version of that was in Miss Edmonton Teenburger 1983, the red mouse thing. And then the yellow character is based on John Porter, who's like this famous um, character, super eight filmmaker from Toronto, Canada. So yeah. <laughs> they're in a duel. The narrative duel. Yeah. Just like cameos. Naturally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You probably wouldn't see that like in the first screening. You probably wouldn't get that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, you mentioned, you know, all of the sound being done by you. And I'm just wondering how you feel that sound in general operates in your work. Like, do you do sound design for all of your other stuff too? Do you ever get people in and, and involved in the process? Or do you like just sort of having a hand in every single part of the film? <laughs> I usually do it because um, I don't have money to pay people. Like the reason why I made the isolation booth too was like, I didn't want to have to worry about booking a place and time. I just wanted to do it on my, at my own time, you know, when I built the own sound recording thing, uh, but sound like I usually do it mostly myself. Uh, but I did get uh, Evan Gordon, this really good, um, musician and really great uh he's really great to work with to do sound on animations and projects like that evan gordon check it out um so he did uh the music for baby's crib like all the music for that and yeah so i would reach out to get people to do actual musical tracks oh but in a lot of the early ones it was just like me on a keyboard like doing weird like music but yeah in more recent times i've actually tried to get professionals um, but I, I love sound sound. It's huge to me. Um, I'll record stuff and then I'll put the sound in after and then I'll re or I'll shoot animation, excuse me. And then I'll put the sound in after and I'll actually like re-edit my animation to fit the sound. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they go very much together and I, and my use of sound is just playing with like levels, layering sounds and then playing with the levels like, yeah. And then not just like one sound is low and one sound is high, but actually within it, like making certain parts high and certain parts low to get like cool, weird sounds. And that's about it, maybe a bit of reverb. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't think you need to know that much to have, to be able to do sound. So, so I mean, it's like definitely clear that you do a tremendous amount outside of like drawing and animating um, mm -hmm. just from, I mean, even being able <laughs> being able to do your own sound or set up your own sound booth. Um, but so I'm just wondering if you do anything um, outside of your artistic practice that influences your art, um, like any hobbies or anything oh, you do like, <laughs> that, yeah, before that influences I had a, you. Yeah, before I had a day job, I used to like uh, pickle. I was really into pickling and fermenting and stuff, which I'd like to get back into again, but I just, yeah should really do that so so yeah <laughs> and like uh 
you know, recently. I love pickling and jam making, like two of my favorite things. It's so fun. Brine pickling too, it's so good. But yeah, stuff like that, sewing, crafts. Oh, I make, I used to make quilts. No way. Um, That's what I think. I'm like, you know, if I ever just go live in the uh, country or something like that away from technology, I think I'll just make quilts. (laughs) I think that's what I'll do. I'm like. There are definitely worse fates. Yeah, it could be worse fates. Watch reality TV. That's a horrible vice. <laughs> oh, but it's great. <laughs> yeah, that's work though, really. <laughs> I think animators need, I don't know, every animator that I talk to has like a separate thing or craft with like materials that they really, really love doing. Again, yeah. it's, you know, I'm not working on film. A lot of people I know aren't working on film either. And the process for like playing back your animation is just entirely digital. The urge to like have a thing that just exists totally. as its yeah. own thing. Do you have like specific comedic influences? I feel like so much of your your paintings and animations are all branded with like a very specific, like brilliant yeah. sense of humor. I think I think it would be like uh, Canadian humor, uh, maybe, and just like absurd, like celebrating the ridiculousness of life taking the piss out of everything um, because life is ridiculous and it can make you like want to jump off the side of a building, how just disgusting and ridiculous it is. But then if you're, if you're just like fucking and embrace it, then there's just something about that. And I think humor for me was always like, I grew up in a stressful environment and humor was a way to sort of crack that stress. You know what I mean? And just like laugh and let stress out in a, in a good way and sort of, um, what I love about humor, it's like the idea you you set something up with expectations and then you thwart it with logic. So it's a great way to just bring like bring forth expectations that we take for granted and then just crack them and smash them apart. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, totally. so I think it's it's fun like that. And just like the game of playing with reality and perception and but yeah, but mo- mostly it's like Canadian style. Oh, it, it makes me miss hanging out with Canadians too, but just like sitting around a fire and like making up a story together and just going on and on and taking it too far and like kind of a friendly humble way of like like picking on each other or like being sarcastic in this way that's like we're all in it together and nothing is too precious or too serious I don't know how to say that yeah and it's like um well like like to give someone hard time is to be like welcoming and include them in the family so yeah that's the the humor I like. <laughs> um, so a lot of the animators we've interviewed also have a really close relationship with comics. Um, mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to talk about your comics and how they relate to animation at all. Yeah, buy my book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ditch Life. <laughs> buy my book, Ditch Life, Fanographics. <laughs> uh launch uh so i just finished one graphic novel ditch life which was like the biggest most real story i've ever done the launch was on march 12th the first one uh right before the pandemic so i'm just gonna go into a random story and then i was at like quimby's doing the the um the lot like a little event and people are touching elbows it's just like first first pandemic event um and then People are talking about, I'm like, should I go to New York and LA next week? I don't know. Am I being overreacting by taking this seriously? And then someone's like, you don't want to get stuck in those places on lockdown. And I'm like, you're as crazy as I am. And then like two days later, everything was like locked down. So yeah, 
So anyway, so my lower teeth was ruined by my book. <laughs> you can look at it. <laughs> but um, but back to the book. So comics, yeah, comics was always a thing. I think growing up uh, on cartoons and comics like Heathcliff, Garfield, uh, Archie's, all that stuff. Like that was the the visual language that I grew up on, and the art and the culture I grew up on. In you know, like the everyday day to day stuff. Um, so so yeah, I really liked it, and then I was like in art school in the late 90s uh, to age myself. Um, and then the, like uh, indie comics were really big then. Um, so there's a lot of just energy around it and just zines were really exciting at that time because it was before the internet was really big, like blogs and stuff like that. So um, there was great stuff with like people doing art books sort of thing and a really great scene in Canada with that and then some people just taking the format of a zine which you like how I know know it, it came from like uh, punk show reviews and political zines and like logical written flyers and then just taking it and filling it with like weird art images and like absurd repeated language and stuff like that um which was kind of cool to see that I'm like what the hell was my point but yeah comics <laughs> comics are great and I love I love also artists that really um, mess with them in a, in a genuine way, like uh, Christina Ramberg or Yoshida, um, or even Falstrom, I got that name out. Um, just people who like, like are really engaged with it and, and like recognize visual, Ray Johnson is really cool with that stuff, like recognize the game of visual language and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sick. Um, I have a slightly, I just have a question about um, yeah. the femme subjects in mm -hmm. your paintings and still illustration work um, and how like muscular and sort of brolic, I think you've described them in the past as butch as well, like how they all sort of fit in that, in that way. Um, yeah. I'm just wondering what the significance of like depicting femme bodies in this way is for you as an artist, as a person. Yeah. Um, okay. So the drawing ladies. So I started out drawing like more cartoon stuff when I was doing stuff. And then I saw this um, label for like a fake Barbie doll thing. And then uh, it was like an outline of a woman's face. And it was like half cartoon using like, again, repeated imagery. So, you know, okay, that's supposed to be lips. So that's supposed to be an eyeball. And then half like realistic. And I just loved how it like sat in that place of like um, our perceived reality that can all, can seem way more real than our actual like physical reality. Like it just, so somehow I got hooked on that flipping image and I couldn't stop drawing this woman's face and profile, profile. And then, so I started drawing more like uh, feminine bodies uh, and creatures and then, um, I think I started making them to just make them more interesting to me, like make them like thicker necks and uh, things like take out the arms to really look at the torso shape, but the things that would make it uh, more complicated for the image to be consumed. So it wouldn't be like just a pretty picture of a feminine form that's like really easy to consume and okay, I get it, you know? So it started out as that, but it's also just like, um, I like androgyny. I like the mix of uh, male and female and I feel like from in my experience those those like live both live within me and you know what I mean like it's like those elements so I just like um 
I think in just like a lot of characters, I just end up drawing bodies like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um, on top of being an incredible animator and illustrator, comics artist, um, you also teach. Um, so <laughs> what's like teaching uh, animation like and like what's the experience of teaching like? Um, I love teaching. I teach at DePaul uh, currently and I love my students. Um, so teaching is great. Um, why do I love teaching so much? It's just like fun to nerd out about stuff and to nerd about stuff specific, like very specific stuff <laughs> and to be in a group of people that you can be excited about that. Um, but it's also just um, because it's like the artistic practice is such an emotional and mental thing and you can almost psych yourself out, you know what I mean? And sometimes that's like the biggest thing to, to overcome is getting out of uh, your own way um RuPaul quote uh so so it's it's like I enjoy being able to talk people through that and in a way like analyze my own working process and just sort of like make connections like that and help get students to this place of being the best they can be but but seriously like not holding them up to like this is right and wrong but but just like seeing being able to see the potential and and just try to help feed that potential and it's, I find animation is so exciting right now, especially compared to when I was it grew up in it, when it was way more like straight white male, even though it's not nowhere near perfect now. But but um, it often just felt like hopeless to even have a conversation about it. You know what I mean? And not and like because it's like that whole thing of be, being made invisible or that your voice isn't, you know what I mean? You're crazy if you're saying stuff. Um, so, so through my students, just, just see how, seeing how, um, they are living in the world differently and creating different work. And just my belief that like, we create the world with the stories we tell. And, and like, that's a big thing coming from Canada, coming to America. We have more of like socialist Euro, we're all in it together. Like that's our propaganda, our narrative. And America is a lot more like, I got mine, screw you, <laughs> you know, winners <laughs> and losers. So you you can yeah and it does it forms like a vibe you know what I mean and and informs all this stuff so so as simple as like making Steven Universe might seem very uh, goofy who cares but it is actually very revolutionary and in a way that I think because you because you're seeing like young people get to see like different ways of dealing with conflict um, get to see the color purple which was <laughs> like you know what I mean that was considered like a no color for so long uh, pastels strong uh, non-binary ca characters, strong trans, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like amazing and exciting to to teach students. It's like asking a question you don't know the answer. Like I get to help these students be like the best versions of themselves and stuff like that. And I have no idea how what's gonna happen, but I know, I, I believe it's gonna be like this positive thing that I can't even imagine because I'm too old. It's good. The stressful part is like, oh God, you, you gotta get a job. Oh my God, uh, the world sucks. Oh my God. Uh. <laughs> right. But hopefully yeah. all of this other amazing stuff offsets it or helps at least. Yeah, and, and, and like life is short and life is like, like moments. It's like, I think working at like this 
art city, this great uh, youth drop-in center in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I did some projects there and working with the kids there just taught me, like, I came in all uptight, like, oh, I got to teach them something. I got to, you know, better their lives and all this stuff. I got skills. And then I was like, oh, no, you all just want to hang out. And then it just reminded me of being a kid and just having those moments, those really positive moments and how long they last with you. And just like, I don't know, just to be able to possibly create more opportunities for positive moments for people to have in their lives. You, any, you know what I mean? Like even the... Totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how has the pandemic affected all of this has it affected um like the way you work at all or has it you shifted your art making practice or teaching um in like pretty notable big ways for you um how has it changed it uh so i got a big cork board i'm staring at right now but i ended up fixing <laughs> at my studio a lot <clears throat> um but i think mostly has it changed my work practice um <clears throat> sorry it's made me feel less guilty about not going out and, and like felt comfier about being in it together with a bunch of people being stuck in their studios, having to work. So that's like a bonus. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, but really, I think what it's really made me realize is like, um, working a day job and stuff like that. And I'm an introvert. You can get a lot of like your social energy sort of, um, wasted, taken up by just stuff. Uh, you don't really care about you know what I mean and it's just made me really realize like how important my time is and how uh important my friends are and, and like get, like it slowed everything down so that I had time to connect with people because I have friends like all over the place so so now we could call each other and do zoom more and you know and I think it's just like that's one thing where it's made me just recognize how important my time is and to to spend it on people I care about um, and just how ridiculous stuff is. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's it. I know you mentioned, uh, like you're working on Dizzler right now, mm -hmm. obviously, um, or maybe not working on it right now for the time <laughs> being, but what was the last animation you worked on? Um, and do you have any plans for any upcoming animations aside from Dizzler or, you know, jumping back in on Dizzler? Or are yeah. you mainly just focusing on still work for the foreseeable future? I think the last one I did was this music video for New Prize, uh, awesome band from Canada. Uh, so yeah, music for that. And it was all hand drawn on, um, I just took this really nice little pad of paper I had and folded it to make frames. And then I just drew all the frames like straight ahead without looking through the page. So just like super loose. And then brought it in and all composited together. And I just wanted to like draw and not have to overthink things. Um, so I think that was the last one I did. And then, so yeah, I'm going to work on, right now I'm trying to do the intro for Dizzler. I'm like trying to listen to my own advice as a teacher. So I'm taking a small chunk um, and doing that to figure out the production path and the finalize the art style and all that, like the palette and all that stuff. So, so yeah, I'm figuring that out and... Yeah, so I just have, I'm like looking at it right now. It's like all laid out on my corkboard. And um, uh, right now I'm just figuring out, like there's things in the script and the story that that were bugging me, like the stakes weren't high enough. Like there, there's going to be this music competition, but I'm like, why do they want to go to the music competition? Who cares about the music competition? But then I, so I found like a way to make the stakes higher for that. So it makes sense, you know? So I feel like right now I'm just kind of, um, you know, finalizing the story by doing the dishes, um, by doing like other other meditative things. I'm just letting like um, 
the fine tune the story. Does that make sense? Like I do, you yeah, know, totally. like when you do the dishes, you know what I mean? Like uh, it's like the work you're doing when you're not actively working. Exactly. It's like the and then in the shower, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Whatever kind of like meditative work you can do. And then so yes, yeah, so I'm doing that and then hopefully in about four weeks I'm gonna start building the uh rigs for it i think i'm gonna use duic in after effects and then hopefully get like that this summer just really pump out the the first part and just get working on it and get on the train you know when you get to that part in your project where you're just like chugging away <laughs> yeah yeah it's the best feeling it's the best feeling but then when you hop off the train it's like you have to run to to, catch to the next the stop hop. like i don't know where i'm going next what am I going <laughs> oh my god yeah there should be like some therapy though for like in between project therapy, you know. Big time. <laughs> you, your life is valid even if you don't have a project to work on. Postpartum after like a, a big project like that that was so real. Postpartum, so that's real. what it is. It yeah. is. Really? Just, like I always sink into it's like a depressive state. I'm like, oh my god, I don't have like a thing to keep me busy. I feel like everything I've worked on has been postpartum. And then when I was first starting out, it was like very depressing and disturbing. And then it's like, oh yeah, but that's not what matters. Like what matters is the making it, you know what I mean? And then right. usually when it's done, you're like, where's the parade? Oh yeah, no one cares. Never mind. <laughs> Time to work on the new thing. You yeah, know? I'm like, where's my party? <laughs> yeah, where's my party, guys? I'm done. It's me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, exactly. you when I make stuff too, maybe with you guys the same, like it, like a bunch of people could like it, but it just feels empty and hollow. But if there's just like that one right person that likes it, I'm like, check, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Totally. I'm like, me and Steve likes it. So whatever, screw the rest of you guys. <laughs> Speaking of, um, <laughs> no, <laughs> or just like, you know, people, people you love, people we admire. Um, you've mentioned some like really wonderful animators and illustrators over the course mm. of this chat but are there any that you would like to like shout out right now any special influences for you um oh geez uh well i'll, I'll just do one because if i say one then i'm gonna feel guilty that i haven't said someone else <laughs> but also okay i'll say trixie sweet Vittles, who did uh la mujer la Gartia way back in the day this was a huge she was like um such a huge influence on me silver lining is basically like a redo of that film um it was just like la, like watch it a couple of times la mujer la, la Gartia, but it's really beautiful i think it might be on vimeo a super funny goofy uh influenced by sally uh, crookshank um but it has like this beautiful ending uh twist to it um that's really nice it's so good um so our very last question um which you've definitely already touched on quite a bit is just um are you working on any projects right now that you'd be able to tell us about um i guess other than dizzler since we've talked about that a oh bit. um so one thing i did was started um so pandemic started happening um george floyd happened uh, all this stuff in my life was happening and i just stopped making work and, and it was just like oh for like months and then um and then I started making art again and just doing like pencil crayon drawings sort of thing I'd started a bit before that and then um and then so now that's what I'm doing I have like about 130 or something of just like pencil crayon drawings uh which is like really fun um 
I love that orange. Oh, right? The fluorescence is so great. Fluorescence. Oh, let me tell you. Um, so Prismacolor Premieres. Oh my God. So the creamiest pencil crayon ever. But so I just really got into like basically like art therapy, um, basic, you know, like people who do color coloring books, like adult coloring books. That was basically me. So, so I'm making a bunch of drawings with those. I'll try, probably try to make a book out of them. Maybe um, I'm going to show them at supposedly um, at some small clothing store gallery in New York in May. But uh, so that so yeah, I'm trying to do something with them. Um, so some kind of book or maybe short animations. Um, and then I'm working with someone uh, in Mexico. So I never know names anymore. So Mashika Graham on Instagram. I'm working with them to make some um, underwear. So like uh, with my like perverted animal drawings on it. Oh so like one is maybe like a bodysuit, and then I want to do maybe like a bra and like unisex bottoms. So kind of like a kid pajama motif, but like I'm with obsessed. weird animals. <laughs> okay, right? You'd buy it, right? I would, I, I would buy it. Oh yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Um, yeah, so that's so that's something. Yeah, so that's a thing, and I'm sure there's other things. But thank you so much for thank being here. Thank you so much, Amy. Oh, uh, thanks time. for having me and like appreciating me. It, it means a lot. We're gonna take a short break, but we'll be right back. listening to B16 by Point Reyes. Point Reyes also did our theme song and has worked with me for the sound on a number of my animations. He's currently in his final semester at Berkeley College of Music and is planning on moving out to LA to start a career in post-audio and writing music for visuals and creative advertising. He also plans on engineering studio sessions, mixing, and DJing as those passions of his are what led him to sound design and expanding his sonic palette. If it sounds like you could use any of these services, Reach out at point.reyes, that's point.reyes on Instagram, and listen to his music wherever you stream. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. We'll be back in two weeks for a very special episode. Hope to see you all next time on On Straight Straight Ahead. Ahead.